Hey, 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 welcome to the Pastor Duke Podcast. Thanks for tuning in. I have a blessing for you today. We're coming to you today from Mansfield, Ohio, my stomping grounds where it all began. And we're going to switch things up today. We're going to do a look at Christian business, what God does through people to bring him glory and provide for missionary care, people getting saved through their jobs. Who had ever thought about it? We're going to be taking a look at uh, McIlvain Homes, a residential care facility in Richland County. Um, and uh, what really makes me proud of this is the founder, the director, the builder, and now stepping back as her son is stepping up to take the place, McIlvain Holmes, my sister, Kathy. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Welcome to the podcast. Uh, just introduce yourself. And when did you realize you were drawn to uh, special needs people? My name is Kathy McIlvain, and yes, I'm Duke's older sister. I was in high school in a little town called Lucas. And I had two classmates who had Down syndrome, younger siblings. And for some reason, anytime I was around them, I was just drawn to them. I wanted to talk to them. I wanted to hug them. You know, most people get in that situation. They go the opposite direction, and you kind of were drawn in. Sometimes I know you you were not a, a follower of Jesus in those days, but still you had that, that I don't know, that I call it God seed in your heart. Uh, ready to go uh, in, a, in a care uh, for others. How did you get uh, first uh, uh, your first job in that field? I had a friend who got a job at a uh, sheltered workshop here in Richland County. She knew I was drawn to this. Who she, is that friend? Connie Prince was her name. Okay, I remember. Okay, she. there was an opening in the sheltered workshop at itself where you would have direct contact with the individuals and she called me and I said yes 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 I went to work there I made very little money but I had a great time yeah um I just a bible verse comes to my mind uh, foundationally as we really launch into how this thing got started uh James chapter 2 verse 28 says uh, whosoever looketh into the perfect law of liberty, the Bible, and continue with there and be not a forgetful here, but a doer of the work, whether it's secular work, uh, doer of the work, this man, this woman shall be blessed in her deed. And I've watched the hand of God on McIlvain Homes from its humble beginnings by faith. where You just put it out there to just serve uh, four gals. <laughs> and from that, uh, God had something up his sleeve that would boggle all of our minds and can't wait to share this with my listening audience. So while you were there at the sheltered workshop, new up industries, did anything happen that let, uh, made you kind of interested in to, to head into residential care? Oh yes. I was there approximately six weeks. Um, they had a day where they closed, they called it in service day and we were required to go tour some facility that served people with special needs. I, Unfortunately, or maybe fortunately, chose to visit Apple Creek, a state institution. When I saw the conditions there, it just broke my heart. First, they took me into a dormitory that had 80 beds. It was a very cold day, broken windows. There were cots end-to-end that people slept in with one foot between them, 80 people to a room. There were no toys. There were no personal belongings whatsoever. The next place they took me is what they called a day room. In that day room were hundreds of naked children sitting in their own excrement, no, nothing to do but rock. It was just, I wouldn't put a dog there, and I walked away thinking somehow, someday, I'm going to get some of these people out of here. You saw up front an ugly institutionalization, and the movement began, and you were part of that movement. There was a lot of resistance from the community Amen. about this movement, deinstitutionalized. They didn't want to beat these people to be in their neighborhood as they were coming out into group homes. Was That was kind of a new concept, group homes. Well, in that day, there weren't even any group homes. That was 1970. Group homes didn't even begin until the late 70s. So it just kind of remained the same. It remained the same. But the Spirit of God put a spark in your heart. And now this is about the time you're coming to Jesus, as I recall. That's right. God had to get me ready because <laughs> I was in no shape to serve people. <laughs> yes, yeah, so we were serving ourselves fervently in those days, as I recall. And uh, my sister beat her head against some of the rock, same rocks that I did. But um, God, uh, or grace, sin did abound. Grace did much more abound. But not only was God going to save you, but he had some amazing vocational plans 
for you with something that would later be known as McIlvain Homes. Um, describe your experience as you begin the process of starting the first home. Well, the process started by um, an application that went through the Department of MRDD in Ohio. Give us what that means, because lots I know and lots of forms and um, MRD. You gave us the, the oh MRDD used to be the term for mental retardation and developmental disabilities. There we go. I understood what that meant, but our <laughs> listeners won't. So thank okay. you. So I fill out this volume of paperwork. It's probably a couple months worth. Submitted it to the state. They approved it. However. When in the finishing process, they had the requirement was that they approach the trustees of the township in which you live to make sure they didn't disapprove. So here I, we go. And here we go. They did disapprove, and they actually told me that if I didn't drop this, they were going to my value property value would be um, diminished, and my children's life might be endangered. I thought it was terribly wrong. This was before fair housing. At the time, I worked at the Tappan Corporation and had access to the Tappan corporate attorney. His name was Bob Teal. So I went in and I talked to him and I said, I know this is wrong, but I don't know what to do. Can you help me? Before the day was over, he connected me with Ohio Legal Rights, who fought for the rights of special needs people. On behalf of the two ladies I was going to take, they took up the case. We were in court six years. Um, Losing at all the lower courts, we finally ended up at the Supreme Court of Ohio, and we won. <laughs> the exact opposite response that a government should have. You have people that are broken and desperately need help. God raises up people who have a heart to fix it, and the government tries everything in their power to stop it. Well, along the way, it seems like he had the right judge in place at the highest level to turn that thing around but just think about the, the the expenses that you incurred in order to just provide this need and I know from the beginning you never really did it for money but it's interesting I look another bible verse in those humble beginnings and the battle you had just to get started uh, Jesus said seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness which you did personally and by way of your business to provide care for these people but as you seek first the kingdom of God is right, all these things shall be added unto you. And uh, and today, I, I don't know how many homes there are. How many how many homes are there today? We have 19. 19 homes. <laughs> and they bought a Jewish synagogue. How cool is that for their <laughs> nerve center, for their offices? And uh, uh, Joel and I bought an old Catholic school in New York, and my older sister has to one-up me and buy a Jewish synagogue. <laughs> how cool is that? And... Um, and the work of God goes on pro to provide for the, the needs of hurting people through that uh, Jewish synagogue and through McIlvain Homes. So you're the so Ohio State Supreme Court, and you won. Uh, Six-year battle, was it? Six years from beginning to end. Yeah, okay. But that wasn't the end of it. <clears throat> I won the Supreme Court case, was ready to start. A group home in Cincinnati burned down, killing all the residents. So the state of Ohio, once again, issued a moratorium on the issuing of any new licenses to a home that did not have a sprinkler system. I got the estimate on the home, and the estimate was $20,000, and I didn't have it. So once again, I lost. And she, that, she just made an understatement. She did not have anything close to that. <laughs> but, God, but God. But God. Go ahead, pick up the story. I'm your little brother. I can jump in anytime I want to. It's my podcast. Okay. Well, in the meantime, I'm still. I have my dream, and I'm I'm working towards it. Um, I couldn't get the sprinkler system, but I put the note the bug in Richland County's um, court that I wanted one. If there was any way they could help me, well, there was one that had a man who was going to give up his license. So. Sure, I went out, tried to buy the house. Um, we had a really hard time. He was a drunk. Every time I went and we came up with a contract, the next day he couldn't remember signing it. Um, we Eventually, we won the battle, and we started our first home on July the 9th, 1988. The very first night in the home, I didn't even have a bedroom. I bought these cheap flip beds out at Walmart that opened. They were like a chair that opened into a bed. Sleeping in the living room thinking, I have made it. This is what I have dreamed for. Oh, what happens 
behind the scenes and people hurting and pursuing things that nobody knows about and you have no clue in those days of uh, of the battle and then the days of, of the new beginning and uh, I remember that first home uh, those four gals see if I remember Sally Bessie Kim came later Helen, Helen and the boss, the what, boss. what was the boss's name her name was Kathy Kathy yeah. our first night in the new home I went to start the dishes, and she said, get out of here. This is my kitchen. I'm the boss around here. And she remained the boss uh, till the end. And I think she had a crush on me, actually. <laughs> well, this intersects with my family, my children, especially my two uh, daughters. We would come and, and spend uh, a week with uh, Kathy uh, every every summer because we didn't have any money either. <laughs> She'd put us up and feed us, and Dad would give $50 each of the kids and show them a good time. Uh, um, and uh, my daughters uh, were introduced to special needs people. And just like you did, they loved it. And to this day, my daughter Rachel can imitate all four of those <laughs> those gals perfectly. And we still do it. What is it? Uh, 35 years later, something like that. 34. 34 years mm-hmm. later. And it's just brought great uh Heart preparation for my children to be close to that. And my children had a, a heartbeat just like you did for special needs people. Both of them wound up going into uh, deaf ministry, learned sign languages, children. And I interviewed my daughter, Leah. If you haven't heard that podcast, family, go to the Daddy Daughter podcast. Uh, we interview uh, my daughter and how uh, deaf ministry became a huge part of our lives. And it all started at Aunt Kathy's house with those <laughs> four those spe- four special girls, uh, uh, ladies. They were all adult people. Uh, Kathy, during those six years of waiting and knocking on doors and praying and running into all this legal uh, confrontations, how do you think that perhaps prepared you um, to run the business? I think it prepared me in knowing that my dream was worth fighting for. And no matter how little money I made, no matter what happened, I thought God would provide. Kristen, did you hear that? Are you listening? It's things that are worth fighting for. <laughs> and uh, I think as you, during those times, you might have realized it was Jesus in you fighting for people that he loved and cared for. It's just everything along these years watching it, you know, just just the, the early battles and the days of small beginnings. As you were launching McIlvain Homes, I was launching uh, Temple Baptist Church, which is called Church of Newtown Road today. And so many of the same parallels that you were going through trying to launch this business, I was going through trying to launch a church. And I think God had his hand uh, in McIlvain Homes just as much as he did because uh, in our church because he cares about the 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 felt needs of hurting people um, deeply, and he plants that in the hearts of people that are willing to serve and to sacrifice. And you did make sacrifices in those early years. So along the way, you got your bachelor's degree in accounting, probably no quinky-dink, uh, accounting and finance. How was it all that helped uh, in the McIlvain well, home? Well, let me go back. Circle. When I was having all these um, legal battles and I was working at the Tappan Company, they had corporate reimbursement. And I had a great controller of the company who encouraged me to go back and work on my education. I'd like to interject that she won't tell you, but I will. She was valedictorian of her high school class. <laughs> and I don't know if I've forgiven her yet for that because that, she raised the bar really high for her brothers that would follow her in that same small school. So they said, oh, a Hergish, you must be brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, not exactly, especially... Uh, smoking pot every day uh front porch of this school so that didn't help either but of course jesus was going to fix all that but uh, he just reaches down to people messing around on the bottom and and moves us and saves us and calls us to do something for his glory so um you you get your bachelor's degree in accounting finance uh, pick up from there well, little did I know, but God knew I would need that. You know, you make it such a small thing. You're you're a, a, a mom, a single mom, two kids, and of course you're you're married uh, as this process gets launching away. But you know, our hearers don't realize that you, know, you got a single mom here, and she's not making enough money to survive. And uh, did Dad have a hand in in getting this thing started? Absolutely not. 
Mom and dad thought I was crazy. Why are you wasting your time and energy on this crazy idea? That's what I got from both of them. Wow. I I, uh, I know in the end, dad was really proud. He, I think he might have wanted to kind of make it sound like he was there to throw gasoline on your sparks. Right? I don't think dad really got into it till he saw some success coming. Yeah, he, he didn't get moved by the uh, needs of the people too mm-hmm. much, I no. don't think. But he, I know he did connect with those people later on, and uh, and I think God used them to kind of soften his heart and uh, kind of uh, broaden his horizons a little bit at the, at the personal level. Um. Since then, you get launched. Uh, any problems along the way? <laughs> There's been problems all along the way. The first year we were in business, um, we had belonged to a public swimming pool for, for a number of years. And since the girls lived with me, I went to sign them up to take them. And the pool wouldn't let them come in. So you just wanted to treat them like normal people, right? Like my children. Yeah. So once again... <laughs> I had to get the courts involved. Um, We didn't actually go to court because once they pulled up the Supreme Court ruling, they kind of dropped that. But um, we did go to the pool that summer, but the next summer I had a pool put in at our house. Above ground, it wasn't put in. It was cheap. (laughs) My daughters, uh, my kids swam in that pool a lot. They liked it. Uh, Then there was a paddle. When we started, tried to start one of our homes on Becky Drive, um, there was a man across the street who tried to stop it. Um, he got the courts involved again, and they pulled up the Supreme Court case to realize he couldn't do it. The neat thing is, once we moved into that home, and he realized our, our people weren't anything to be afraid of, there happened to be two young males in that home. His kids came over and played basketball with him every day. So and at one point, he came over and apologized that he had had the the, the fears is what it really was. He just didn't know. They confuse mental retardation with mental illness, and there's a huge difference. Oh, talk about that just for uh, a minute. That That's a huge point. Yeah, people that don't know any better really do confuse the two. Mentally ill people can be dangerous, and they can be um, a real danger to a neighborhood, but our people are just like children. They, they're exactly like children, so when you have a house full of them, it's like having a house full of four-year-olds. I remember having my wife-to-be, Joellen, uh, experience this for the first time. When we got connected at heart, I brought her down to Ohio from Detroit to kind of visit my world, meet my parents. And uh, that's that's an interesting story. The night she met my dad and his girlfriend and their fight and the gun in the room. And, oh, it was interesting. And then the next day we went up to New Hope Industries where I had worked uh, alongside you for a couple years to meet these people because they meant the world to me and Larry Shoemate came up and he was really a clean cut uh, man. He didn't really look, uh, you know, retarded. Uh, His mother was a Christian. Yeah. And Larry was a a sweet guy and uh, he was one of my favorites. He was very clean cut and uh, he came up to Joellen and put his hand and started rubbing her back. And this is a man <laughs> coming up to Joellen, never been around this before, starts rubbing her back. And you're a nice person. I like you. Joellen was really uncomfortable <laughs> at first. And I just looked at her and smiled. And, and then she just had that moment of awakening. Like, this is like a little child. And she got it. And, uh, you know, there's like a moment in time for people when they just get that that touch. And they realize this is this isn't anything to be afraid of at all. And she just kind of, uh, <laughs> she rubbed his back and <laughs> said, you're a real nice person too. But that was game on for Joelle. And she, the fear that she had it was completely gone, but that's a great point. Uh, that mental, um, retardation is not mental illness. Um, so that was an obstacle up at Becky drive. Uh, any other, uh, principle, uh, obstacles come your way? Well, I had issues with the County, um, I decided there weren't any facilities for males because there was no funding for males. So I opened some homes for males, got only their social security. And between me and my husband, we took care of them for nothing for many years. The county thought that I was totally nuts. They said it would never last. It wouldn't work. And I said, you don't know me. It will work. I don't know how, but it will work if I have to work three other jobs. Well, see, Jesus is kicking in there. Don't tell God what he can't do. Explain a little bit about the funding because this is huge. And I might have thought you were a little crazy too because they were 
there's different funding levels for different needs people. And when you're cashing in on that, it, it makes it doable. But when you're just getting their social security, I, I mean, just think of people today, you just, if they didn't make other preparations, their social security doesn't even come close to meeting their needs. So develop that a little bit so our audience okay. can There's uh, two sources that. of funding when you do this. There's social security, which is supposed to be used entirely for their um, facility costs. That's food, grocery, um, recreation, utilities, rent purchase of clothing, anything like that. The other source, which is the big thing, is the source to provide the care. In 1988, there was only one source to get other money. It was through the state of Ohio. It wasn't very good. I got $27 a day for four people when I started. Along about 1991, um, became available some new funds called the IO waiver. When that came about, they started attaching dollars to individuals, and the at that point, it was about seventy-five to a hundred dollars a day per person. It's it's higher than that now. Just think about what does it cost to be in a hospital for one day? Just think about that: the facility, the workers, the administrative staff. You got all of that in a group home. You have to have a you have to have a shelter. You have to have somebody mow the yard, pay the bills, uh, come in and care for the people twenty-four-seven. Um, so people don't do what my sister has done for the money no not at all i gave up an accounting position in a local steel company and it was a really good job paid well to work for 27 dollars a day (laughs) (laughs) what were you thinking over there sister (laughs) i was thinking these people needed me yeah i guess that's what you did all along the way you tuned yourself out you tuned them in and just wouldn't quit and uh, god had your back I guess you would say. Oh, did he? So talk a little bit more about um, funding, is that how, how that works. And uh, the, so, the Social Security only, was that the $27 a day? No, that was from the state of Ohio. Okay. So so the Social Security, and I mean, that's just that like. That paid the, the, the facility costs, but it didn't pay me. But I figured I could work for nothing as long as I could live. <laughs> <laughs> Now you sound like a preacher. <laughs> Just uh, you probably made more as a starting preacher than I made starting what I did. After six months, our church began to pay me one hundred and ten dollars a month. Oh, okay. Well, that? I guess I made more than you. Yeah, they started paying me one hundred and ten dollars a month, and then six months later, they gave me a raise. They started paying my rent at Sparebush Apartments for $225. That's making $335 a month doing <laughs> ministry, uh, but only for about 90 hours a week. But man, I wouldn't trade that for, uh, you're just doing what you know God wants you to do. You're willing to sacrifice and God sees it and he smiles and uh, things begin to kind of uh, get a little bit better. Things begin to grow. Uh, okay, you got, she's probably reluctant to, to tell you this, but there's a reason why McIlvain Homes grew, not just because of your servant spirit and sacrifices you made, but your homes were not too shabby. They weren't real real nice to start, but we worked really hard in our homes yeah. now. They were clean. Oh, they were clean and the food was good. Yep. Fergus are foodies. <laughs> it's in a, if it's in a group home or a, a Thanksgiving table, we are foodies. And that she just made another understatement. Also, I always took it, when they walk out the door of a home that's a McIlvain home, I didn't want them to look different. They were different, but they didn't have to look different. So I wanted them to have nice haircuts. I wanted them to have stylish clothes. I wanted them to have an active social life. Um, they're out in the community. In fact, some of our employees say they never got out so much till they came to work for us. Mm-hmm. I remember working at New Hope Industries uh, for two years uh, one whole year and then one summer between my first and second year of Bible college. And you could tell, I mean, the the clients that came in each day, uh, they didn't always have dental care and their hair wasn't, they weren't clean. Many of them, uh, praise God, maybe half of them were, but half of them weren't. That's because the half that were clean lived with their parents. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. That's, and then Today, you could go to the same organization, New Hope Industries, still there today, if I'm not yes. mistaken, and you could go through and pick out the people who are from McIlvain Home just by the way they look. Many doctors will tell us when our people come in, they know before they see them where they came from because they always look nice. Yeah. 
and you know to our listening audience, let that sink in. This isn't just oh, we take money for putting these people in a home. This is providing a home, um, and that's been one of the real fun things. Just last night, we uh, Joel and I drove in from New York for our uncle's funeral, and and all of us siblings, we were together, and we had two special needs people, Zach and David, and <laughs> they're just part of the deal. They're just part of the, part of the deal. And uh, they don't just get residential care. Uh, God uses McIlvain homes. And there are other homes, too, that I think have risen up that that, that do better than maybe in those early days. But uh, these people become family members to us. And so so your parents uh, a lot of times have, they're getting older, they have special needs child, and they, uh, they're getting scared, uh, our ability to provide the needs for this special needs uh, child who's usually now an adult by this time. Um, parents are looking around, pick up from there. Well, I Tell the truth. I know she's going to lay low on this. <laughs> I want you to tell the, the, the raw truth. And if you don't, I'm going I'm to override you and, and correct you. Well, the first thing that happens, you meet with them, and they usually have heard about you by the time you get to that point. So I take them to see a site, and they walk in, and they'll say, I didn't know this was a group home. This doesn't even look like a group home. They said, this looks like a nice home, <laughs> which they are. <laughs> um, often they'll tour a second home, and they'll say, oh, my, this one's just the same. It's really, really nice. And so the parents stand in line and beg my sister to open a new home and in the early days it seemed like that wasn't your driving force but then why did you open all these new homes because there were more and more people that needed good care and that same spirit that you had at the beginning has never changed and you don't know this duke but i got a call this morning about opening another home <laughs> how does that happen two three four times a year um, it used to be that often. Now it might be three times a month. Yeah, yeah. And there's reasons for it. You know, I, I think of that Bible verse, the great, uh, the gates of hell cannot prevail against Christ's church. And the group homes are not Christ's church. I'm not trying to, to use that. But the thing is, group homes done right bring glory to God. And over through the years, what percentage of these uh, these people go to church? Our people, yeah. most all of them, the only ones who don't are those who who refuse, which mm-hmm. is probably five percent, maybe. Yeah, and I've seen the churches rise up and, yeah. and special needs. God gave us a special needs gal named Charlotte uh, for many, many years, and every time Kathy and Don would come to visit us, Charlotte was waiting and ready. She made one outburst in the 25, 30 years she was with us. You were up on the second row. She was somewhere towards the back, and she found out you were there as she burst out in celebration and ran down the aisle to sit next <laughs> to Kathy because you'd bring her gifts, and she was. Uh, you made her feel like the most special person in our church, and, and I think she was. So this isn't just something you do in Ohio. It's, it's everywhere you go. Um, funny things that happen. Uh, this happens all the time. You got to, it's not in our notes, but. I have to think about some of the funniest. Well, one of our girls likes to pull strings and she wore, she found a snag on her sweater at the sheltered workshop. So she began pulling it <laughs> and pulling it till she had no sweater at all. So th- through the years, I've gotten a lot of calls to bring clean pants and underwear. That was the first day I ever got a call to bring a, a clean top to her. Oh, my goodness. Some of the behaviors. But you take it in stride. Uh, as you say, just just remember their children. Uh-huh. Sometimes they can be, as they would say years ago, Scottish children, <laughs> <laughs> stubborn children. More stubborn than bad. We do Ooh, have, Say that again. Uh, we've had a number that are stubborn, especially the Downs people. I don't know why they're stubborn, but they're not bad. That's a, that's a great statement. Maybe I should claim to be Down syndrome. <laughs> <laughs> but I think for me it's not stubborn. I think it's both stubborn and bad. Um. Oh, man, we could pull in your staff and go for hours and hours on that topic. But along the way, there you just never know what's going to happen from day to day, hour to hour. From day to day, after th- now in my 34th year, there is absolutely never a day something funny or something new does not happen. Yeah. It ha- ever, all the time. Yeah. 
my daughters uh, were picking up on that and uh, loved it, touched their heart, and it helped train their mind to be the beautiful women that they are today. Um, along the way, what has been your primary focus in, in running the business? There's a lot. Number one, I wanted to provide the best care possible. I wanted, like I said before, they needed to look nice, have nice hair, let cats be clean, have the opportunity to go to church. We put a f- huge focus on um, socialization. We take them on vacations every year. In fact, we've been on a couple cruises. We have been all over the country. And um, then secondly, I had to look after the staff. So I wanted to pick staff, if I could, Christians. Unfortunately, they're not all, but I feel very comfortable. We pray at all of our staff meetings, and I always provided a good benefit package so they wouldn't leave us, and our turnover rate is really, really low. Which Especially is, in this business. Oh, at some homes, they're turning over every three months. Out of, we have fifth, what, no, we have 46 employees right now, and we might have three turnover in a year, but we've had some long-term employees. You talk about uh, focus on, you know, providing, you know, fun at times and just a real life for people. You guys had a wedding at McIlvain Homes. <laughs> the boss. <laughs> the boss. Fell in go. love with our, it's my younger brother, Duke. It's the middle boy. Yeah. yeah. And um, she said she wanted to marry him. So she had gotten really sick with congestive heart failure. And I decided to like make a wish. This is her life dream. She wanted to be a bride. So we had we bought her a wedding gown. We we had a place for it. We had a preacher who happened to be one of our residents. We had singing. special needs preacher. <laughs> what uh, was it? Is that Richard? Who was the special needs? Eugene. Eugene. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. He was articulate. Very articulate. But Eugene faked seizures. <laughs> and he he's up in front. We have a big crowd. She had a wedding. We had invitations. But anyway. He starts swaying around, which usually meant he was about to fall and pretend to have a seizure. Well, my daughter had been picked to be the bridesmaid. So she was standing up there and she said, don't you do it. (laughs) (laughs) Heal, the seizure was stopped. But anyway, we had one of our residents sing. We had a reception. She wanted Elvis Presley to be her best man. So we had hired an Elvis impersonator. Um, we had a big wedding cake with fountains. She had a reception. She planned her menu. We had stuffed shells, applesauce, and coleslaw. <laughs> um, it, she was absolutely elated. She had been given a year to live. She lived 14 years, and we like to think it was her wedding that helped turn the, turn her around. How about that? Uh, it's something that has always been on my heart. When I'm in the presence of special needs people, whether it's Charlotte at our place or your your gals and, and guys through the years, is the the love and care they're getting unconditionally on this side through McIlvain Homes, your, yourself, your staff, that unconditional love and the good life and the clean life and the healthy life and the med and and, and they love you here. Oh, they do. But wait to the other side. <laughs> You think about that occasionally? I don't see how it could get any better, but I'm sure it will. On the other side, when they fully understand the sacrifices that others made for them here, you have a world that just tunes them out, and then you have that, that maybe 1% that tunes them in, and then in addition to just tuning them in, devotes their entire life, makes huge sacrifices to meet their needs. I just, uh, I think you're going to be a very popular gal in heaven <laughs> with these people. <laughs> and I'll be proud to be your little brother uh, when that day ap- approaches. So uh, what sets uh, your business apart uh, from other providers? About everything we do. <laughs> We're like the Cadillac. Um, they are so happy because they got such an active life. And I found that you can t- control medica- or behaviors without medication by keeping them busy. So we have a dance for them every month. We have a big birthday party every month. Kind of like us, something to look Just forward like to. They, they date. It's supervised, but they have boyfriends, and they date their boyfriends. We get them out. They have two or three outings a week. We go to lots of gospel concerts, Um we go, some of them love wrestling. We go to wrestling matches. Um, whatever it is they're into, we try to do. You brought a camper so they oh, do the, 
the camping thing. When, in the beginning, we didn't have much money, and I wanted them to have vacations, so we bought a 20-year-old camper and put it at a campground and took them all camping once a year. Amazing. I wanted to be a client there for a while. <laughs> <laughs> I think I'm going to move in. Uh, you had, <laughs> your clients had better vacations than Joellen and I did for a few years, uh, yeah. but... Um, uh, amazing thing. Now, something that I, I just want to share to our audience, I've watched, you, you, you did get some income and you don't make any money to just provide their needs, but I guess there is some financial remuneration that does come. You do begin to be, build a little bit of wealth because you're, you're buying a lot of the homes that mm -hmm. they're living in. So you're just kind of scraping by week to week, month to month. But at the end of many years, you start owning these homes and those funds provided for that. And there's been some remuneration. I've watched you and, and, and Don make huge commitments by faith towards world missions. Uh, <laughs> I, it probably embarrasses you a little bit, but uh, please just kind of be honest and, and tell some, uh, some of those experiences. Because you don't always know how much money's coming in and big costs come to you suddenly you didn't know about. And then some chunks come in also. We, we base our tithe on what our income was last year because we never know from month what it's going to be exactly. And then we give double that to missions every week. So, so about thirty percent. Yep. I never expected to end up with anything, and I've been ended up quite well off. Uh, Jesus uh, did make a promise to you way back when: "Give, and it shall be given unto you." So, in addition to the giving of all to the, the people to provide real homes with real food and real care and real adventure and real experience. You've also given uh, sacrificially unto the Lord's work. One, our accountant early on said to me, you are giving way too much money to the church. You can't afford that. You need to stop. He wasn't a Christian, but I never stopped. Lots of people have called you crazy through the years. <laughs> maybe, maybe I deserve it. I don't know. I don't know. I, I've, I've been right up close and personal, and we've shared all through the years phone calls and the burdens and how we're going to make it. And you had how many crises where you thought maybe you'd go under? I don't know, but I remember one year we were in a, we were going to have a building project in our church and they asked people to commit to so much. It was just between them and God. And Don signed $12,000. And coming out of church that day, I said, Don, we don't have $12,000. And when you make a vow to God, you've got to honor it. I said, we can't, what are we going to do? Well, for every year we've been in business, we owe a hunk of money on income tax come April. So we had put back about $15,000, which would be a typical year of what we would owe. And that year we got a an identif a letter from our accountant that they were going to get we were going to get a refund. Guess how much? Um $12,000. $12,000. So you tell me God does math? <laughs> I'm just telling you. Tell you tell me God knows your needs before you ask. We got twelve thousand. We gave it to the church, but where we really made out of, we had the fifteen thousand banked to pay the taxes. So even though we gave God twelve, we had fifteen. So you're saying there's a God? There is a God. Yeah, and He gets involved in the nitty gritty details, and sometimes it looks bleak, and then all of a sudden you see His glorious hand move. Well, it's been thirty four years, and a lot of us who love you or are close to you have watched the the screaming success and growth. Uh, never really trying to do that, just it just people begging you to grow, and um, and uh, you know the years go by very quickly. And I think you're turning thirty nine years old th this next year or so. <laughs> I am seventy four, and my biggest worry was a succession plan. Many people who do what I do sell out to somebody. Two of the big local people sold out to people from out of state, and the quality of care is terrible. And this was haunting you for years. Oh, it was haunting me. I didn't know what I was going to do. I kind of thought my daughter would, but she decided that it wasn't for her. Mm -hmm. And I was talking to my son one day, and he lives in North Carolina, and I was telling him, I just don't know how I can exit, but I can't leave these people and all the staff that depend on McIlvain Homes. He said, well, Mom, I'll do it. And I said, but Jamie, you earn hundreds of thousands of dollars a year what you're doing. And he said, I can do both. And so about a year and a half ago, we went to a lawyer and we have it all squared up. He is one third partner in everything. And when Don and I die or whoever dies first, whoever, whoever left standing owns it all. <laughs> <laughs> Good chance it'll be him. Yeah. What an amazing uh 
young man. Of course, Jamie's what, in his early, mid-40s now? He's 47. 47. My nephew, I always think of him being 17 years old. Um, just, uh, he was brought up in this. He, he was there for all these crazy stories, and, and he had that heart for it, but he went out, and everything he's touched uh, in vocationally, he, he's, it's turned to gold, yet he's, he's been tried by fire, and we don't, that could be a whole other podcast with him. He's an overcomer. He's an overachiever, and he's a brilliant man. And I always tease him, you, you hid your brilliance very well for many years. <laughs> but it came out, and uh, he's a dad of three, a screaming successful businessman, and yet he's willing to walk away from all of that corporate on top of things. Mr. Got the office, got the job, travels the world, Mr. Got it all, to come back home to McIlvain Homes. Tell us uh, the dream, man. This is, oh, this is exciting. It gets better, folks. Just I, listen to I this. Don't know, I don't know what exactly you're referring to, but he encouraged us to do, he, well, the went to growth, and he went to the county, and he said, look, we're going to grow. And he said, I'd like to work with you. Tell me what you need. That's huge. <laughs> he goes to the people that are sponsors. I never knew anybody to do this before. How can we serve you? Yeah. We want to grow. Amen. Next thing I know, we have a meeting with a state um, representative and a state senator and some people big in the department in in, uh, Ohio. And they expressed a vision they had about, they call it remote support. You put people in a home. A little higher functioning people. Higher functioning, but still have some needs. Into a home where there is lots of technology. And they get. Which is Jamie's expertise. Uh, yeah. So anyway, we opened our first remote support home on May 1st. First one in Ohio. And they were so impressed. They Who created all that software to run that thing? Jamie. <laughs> <laughs> we, well, so anyway, the next thing I know, we got another one. We opened November 1, and um, there's visions of a third one coming. Just explain that a little bit more. I've been in it. And it's, it's really pretty simple, but it's amazing. Oh, there's like there's a monitor on the stove. If they leave the room, it goes off. We have video doorbells. There's um, cameras in the home that when they're in the living areas, not bedrooms or bath, there's cameras. Um, there's boxes in their rooms. If they need help, they can call, hey, Christy, and it's voice recognition, and they can get someone immediately answering them. They have supports about half of their awake hours. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, pretty much 24-hour surveillance. 24-hour surveillance. But how does this uh, save the state money? Well, they only have to pay for less than <laughs> half of the the budget they used to have. Of course, they're very supportive of it. They were so impressed, they hired a, a videographer to come and do a video of the home, the people in it. and um, I've seen that. Is there a way our, our listeners could tune that in online? Is there like a web page or... I don't know. I'll find out from Jamie later, and I'll okay. put it on an, another podcast. Okay. But I've seen that video. Well, it's an absolutely amazing. One of the fellows that's in there has autism, and he's never had any freedom in his life. So when they interviewed him from what, for that video, he threw his arms in the air, and he said, I have been one of the luckiest, most opportunity. I have this opportunity. It's stupendous. It's wonderful. It's outstanding. He went on. They finally asked him to slow down <laughs> and talk about it. So he likes his new living situation. Oh, he loves it. Yeah. Freedom. Here, this is a big thing. They moved in on a Monday and on Sunday, that same individual who was so excited made arrangements to go to a church on his own and, um, Got on the church bus and off he went. We didn't know about it because he didn't have to tell us until afterwards. Well, this, this, the other individual, I asked him that week, would you like to go? And he said, oh, no way. Church is not for me. Well, on Sunday, too, he got on that bus and he's been going every Sunday since. And they go to these churches that love them and it's just, just a beautiful thing. So uh, you had some plans. Jamie's coming on. You have some plans. You're going to uh, build a, a rec center near your 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 resident your residence where you live and there were plans there and to i don't know what building costs are 200 dollars a square foot it was going like to cost us 500 dollars to build a rec hall and that did not include the parking Five, lot 500 dollars 500 thousand yeah I'm yeah sorry. yeah 
Oh, it feels so good to correct my sister. She's much <laughs> smarter than me, but uh, <laughs> yeah, half a million dollars, and it was probably going to be about half the size of. Well, what did God have up his sleeve? Well, the Jewish temple came up for sale, and and Jamie made arrangements for us to go see it. We went. The building itself was pretty run down, but it had 9,600 square feet, nine offices, four bathrooms, fully equipped industrial kitchen, a rec hall. The, um, there was an enormous conference room to the back. Everything you need. Everything we needed, and it was 275000 about half of the quote to build the new building, and yeah. we got. So we didn't have a lot of cash to really upgrade it, so we painted and put area rugs down. And I saw it before. I mean, just when you bought it raw and all the stuff that was everywhere, and I came back a month later, and I couldn't believe what I saw. And they didn't spend a lot of money. I allowed each of the people who had an office $300 to decorate. Now, we had some office equipment, but they took stuff we found in there and painted it. And I mean, it's amazing. And I said, decorate them to make them homey to you. And they're all different. They're all nice. I like how you took the auditorium with the theater seats and kind of turned it into a, a, a theater for uh, you know performing arts and different have movies. Our first concert is going to be December the 6th. It's just a beautiful a facility, group. and uh, they got in, and they had a lot of work to do, and I uh, wish we could show the uh, audience the, the mural done on the front. Just to, They hired a local artist to come in and paint a, a mural on the front of the building. It is absolutely phenomenal, with a, kind of on the DNA molecule model and uh, pictures of, of what's happening in this building to care for hurting people out front. So when you drive by people, you see that mural on Cook Road. It's a very, uh, uh, it's a busy road. It's easy to find. It's on the main drag and you, you drive by. And of course, the, everybody in the community that knows the synagogue and what happened to the synagogue. <laughs> and now it's all cleaned up and renovated. And that mural just grabs your eyes. So um, you got a Jewish synagogue. <laughs> Maybe my, one of our brothers will get a, a mosque or a Hindu temple or something like that to kind of finish out uh, the Hergit uh, quest for uh, transforming other religious situations into Jesus centers. Even that, from the beginning, our office was first in the foyer of our house, later in my bedroom. Later we finished a shed out back. We, we had four offices, but you had to work, walk through all of them to get to the bathroom. It was not really conducive to a good work environment, but we, we did it there for we years. made it work. I think that would, might be a, a theme for your whole thing. You just made it work, and uh, you wouldn't take uh, quit as, as part of the vernacular. Well, along the needs being met for the special needs people and you're hiring people uh <laughs> you have a christ-centered business you pray at staff meetings i understand that uh some people got saved through being on staff at McIlvain homes the most um, noteworthy we had a young couple both of them worked for us and we were at a staff meeting and they told me and the other employees that they were atheists so we started praying for them that week, and a week later, the girl got saved. Well, the, the husband was not happy about, that, about this, so he left her. But shortly thereafter, maybe 10 days, he got saved, and he ended up going into the ministry. Went, went off to Bible college and um, unfortunately passed away when he was only 33 from a heart attack, but I know where he is. I got saved at Cook Road Baptist Church, and he got saved at McIlvain Homes. <laughs> I think we went to the same Bible college. I yeah, think he, he went, went to, to he BBC. Went to Baptist Bible College, Springfield, Missouri. He always called me as a spiritual mom. <laughs> and I know there have been others that have come to Christ, and uh, it's a, it's a Christ-centered church recommended, not forced, of course, but uh, most all these people love going to church. And uh, I think the special needs people God uses to provide um, for the church, uh, Miss Charlotte at our place uh, was probably the most popular person in our church. Uh, she was the only member of our church that Joanne and I took out for uh, a birthday lunch every year. We took her out, and then she'd always get. To, we'd go to the same place, uh, friendlies. This is kind of how they roll. Same place, same meal. Do you remember what she'd always get? Shrimp 
uh, French fries and uh, strawberry sundae. <laughs> so she got the same thing every year. Then uh, as we're just wrapped, she was finishing up her strawberry sundae. Then she'd order another round uh, of shrimp, French fries, <laughs> and a take-home strawberry sundae. And so she would, that would be for her evening meal. Okay. And she'd, she had a new microwave, knew how to use that, and she lived alone. Uh, that, oh, I could tell a whole podcast on Charlotte. But um, uh, she was one of the most popular people in the church. And then other people would take her out her birthday, came to the birthday weekend, and then the birthday week, and the birthday month. And <laughs> so she was taken out on a regular basis by our people. And we'd go in and clean her house uh, every six months and take away truckloads of stuff. She was a pack rat, but... Uh, I can't wait to see Charlotte on the other side. She's been with the Lord now for about five years, and we miss her. But this is an opportunity for churches to rise up and, and show the, the love of God unconditionally. And I, I remember at our church, we're kind of upscale community. Businessmen would come in, and I'd ignore the businessman to dote on Charlotte and make the businessman stand in line. <laughs> Those businessmen would watch me, and they knew that this guy's legit. He's not in it for the money. I'm not impressed with their, no, I don't want to be rude to the great business. We have wonderful, godly businessmen that came to our church, but several of them said what touched our heart about this church is as we watched how you and the congregation treated Miss Charlotte. And so I think these special needs people are an opportunity for the church to grow and glorify God too. This reminds me of one more story. The boss, we were in church, we took him every Sunday, and the pastor got into something about when you work for people, you should respect your boss. And she stood up, threw her hands in the, in the air, and she said, way to go, baby. <laughs> Never a dull moment in the residential care ministry. I'm not going to even call it a business anymore. It's a ministry, and God knows it. Well, uh, older sister, uh, your younger brother and two other younger brothers have been involved in the ministry or residential care as well. So we follow your example. We're proud of you. Do you have a final thought? I just hope all of you who have special needs kids will look for somebody who cares to succeed you when you can no longer do it. There you go. A little bit different today, but it's all for the glory of God. Hey, thanks for tuning me in uh, again. I appreciate if you like and subscribe, and I don't even know what all that stuff means, actually. But uh, uh, podcast, I had a 154% increase continues to to uh, grow. So I'm so thankful for you. Uh, Lord bless you. Jesus is coming soon. Are you ready? Ready or not, here he comes. Bye-bye for now.